0: The reading today is taken from Luke chapter 24 and verses 13 to 53. Now that same day, two of them were going to a village called Emmaus, about seven miles from Jerusalem. They were talking with each other about everything that had happened. And as they talked and discussed these things with each other, Jesus himself came up and walked along with them. But they were kept from recognising him. He asked them, What are you discussing together as you walk along? They stood still and their faces downcast. One of them, named Cleopas, asked him, Are you the only one visiting Jerusalem who does not know the things that had happened there in these these days? What things, he asked. About Jesus of Nazareth, they replied. He was a prophet, powerful in word and deed before God and of all people. The chief priests and our rulers handed him over to be sentenced to death He said to them, how foolish you are and how slow to believe all that the prophets have spoken. Did not the Messiah have to suffer these things and then enter his glory? And the beginning with Moses and all the prophets, he explained to them what was said in all the scriptures concerning himself. As they approached the village to which they were going, Jesus continued on as if he were going farther. But they urged him strongly, stay with us for it's nearly evening. The day's almost over. So he went in to stay with them. When he was at the table with them, he took bread, gave thanks and broke it and began to give it to them. Then their eyes were opened and they recognised him and he disappeared from their sight. They asked each other, Were not our hearts burning within us while he talked with us on the road and opened the scriptures to us? They got up and returned at once to Jerusalem. There they found the 11 and those with them assembled together and saying, "'It is true, the Lord has risen and has appeared to Simon.' Then the two told them what had happened on the way and how Jesus was recognised by them when he broke the bread. While they were talking about this, Jesus himself stood among them and said to them, Peace be with you. They were startled and frightened, thinking they saw a ghost. He said to them, Why are you troubled? And why do doubts rise in your minds? Look at my hands and my feet. It is I myself. Touch me and see. A ghost does not have flesh and bones, as you see I have. When he had said this, he showed them his hands and feet. And while they still did not believe, yet because of joy and amazement, he asked them, do you have anything here to eat? And they gave him a piece of broiled fish and he took it and ate it in their presence. He said to them, this is what I told you while I was still with you. Everything must be fulfilled that is written about me in the law of Moses, the prophets and the Psalms. Then he opened their minds so that they could understand the scriptures. He told them, this is what is written, the Messiah will suffer and rise from the dead on the third day and repentance for the the forgiveness of sin will be preached in his name to all nations, beginning at Jerusalem. You are the witnesses of these things. I am going to send you what my father has promised, but stay in the city until you have been clothed with power from on high. When he had led them out in the vicinity of Bethany, He lifted up his hands and blessed them. While he was blessing them, he left them and was taken up into heaven. Then they worshipped him and returned to Jerusalem with great joy, and they stayed continually at the temple, praising God.
1: I want to talk to you this morning about the road less travelled the road less travelled. There are three implications that are on the out of today's passage and as we are trotting our way through it, I want you to try to test yourselves to see if you can pick out the three implications that I would pick out. There's probably a whole lot more but you can, uh, you can work that out as you go along. Heavenly Father, as we go down this very familiar passage, we pray dear God that it would find a particularly relevant chord in our hearts today that we would see Jesus afresh, that we would gain a revised hope and that we would be inspired, Lord, to live for him in a greater way. In his name we pray. Amen. I've called the Emmaus Road the road less travelled because not many people in our world experience the same experience that believers have when they encounter Jesus. And so we find these two followers of Jesus, not necessarily, of course, part of the 12, but these followers of Jesus on this road. It's the afternoons of the resurrection. This is actually a resurrection passage. You'll see there in verse 22, if you want to scan down your little uh, news sheet or open your Bibles or your apps or whatever you do, we see that it is Sunday afternoon, so it's on the very morning. uh, the very same day of Jesus' resurrection. Look at verse 22. In addition, some of our women amazed us. They went to the tomb early this morning, but they didn't find his body. They came and told us. And then uh, the other disciples ran and came and confirmed that. So it is the afternoon of the resurrection. Two of them, Cleopas and another disciple who's unknown. We really, there's a lot of speculation about who this might be. Some people have really stretched the text and tried to squeeze Peter in there. But in all my reading, it's pretty hard to see that that one holds up. They were on their road to Emmaus. They were walking. People must have been pretty fit back in the day. They probably didn't need to go to Zumba. And they certainly didn't need to go to Adam's yoga class. (laughs) Under any circumstances would anyone. Don't do yoga poses at the back where no one can see you and I can see you, Josh. (laughs) They must have been pretty fit. When you think, okay, I'm going to Jerusalem to Emmaus. How far is that? Well, it's 11 kilometres. Now, where's that? Now, if you set out from here, because I checked it. If you set out from here and you walk to Parramatta, you'd get to about 11.7 when you hit the edge of the town. So if you walked right into it, right through, and perhaps on the other side of Parramatta, from here to Parramatta, of course, that would be about 11 kilometres, but you would not be walking in those days on a nice bitumised road. Or if you think, don't know where Parramatta is, you might be a Castle Tower shopper. May the good Lord help you if you are. Because you could be lost for a week and a half in there and still not find your car. It is a whole village unto itself. That is 11.3 kilometres. And I would suggest you don't try to walk there and I would suggest you don't try to shop there as least as possible if you want to ever find your car. So it's a long walk. They are taking this long journey from here to Castle Towers from here to the other side of parramatta they 're on this journey, and they cannot get their head. They cannot get their head around what has happened. The whole city is a buzz of what 's happened that this Jesus of Nazareth and what has happened to him and so as they walk along, we see there in verse fifteen that Jesus comes up with them, probably I would suggest from behind and starts a conversation with them somewhere along this track. Uh, Jesus himself came up and uh, walked amongst them and they were kept from recognising him. Now, There's a lot of speculation about why that would be, but there's no doubt about it. There's some sort of supernatural intent here. There's some sort of part of the plan or the the thing of God, that they were kept from that. It's not just, oh, they didn't recognise him because his resurrected self looks so different. Well, that may uh, have some truth in it. They didn't recognise him for who knows what reason, but there seems to be implicated here, they were kept from recognising because God has a purpose in revealing himself uh, in Jesus to them further down the track. So we head to verse 17 and 18, and as he goes with them, he asks them, what are you discussing? As they walk along, uh, he teases out this discussion with open-ended questions. Look at that. They stood still, stopped walking. Their faces were downcast. One of them named Cleopas asked him, are you the only one? Visiting Jerusalem, who does not know the things that have happened in these days? What things? These open ended, clever questions of Jesus, drawing out from them their understanding of things. About Jesus of Nazareth, they replied. He was a prophet, he was powerful in word and deed, and before God and all people, and the chief priests, and our rulers handed him over to be sentenced by death and they crucified him. But we had hoped that he was the one that was going to redeem Israel. And what's more, it's the third day since all this took place. So in this teasing out, they're kind of, they're shell-shocked. They cannot believe that somebody wouldn't know. They might think, what rock have you been hiding under? Have you been in Jerusalem? Have you not been awake during the last three days? It's the, talk of the, it's the talk of the city. And they're flabbergasted that Jesus doesn't know what's been going on. And then, of course, they go through this incredibly clear summation of Jesus. Look at verse 19. This is a very pithy summary. It's wrong in one point. Wrong in one point. What things he asked about Jesus of Nazareth, they applied. He was a prophet. Tick. Powerful in word and deed before God and all people. Tick. The chief priests and our rulers handed him over to be sentenced to death. Tick. And they crucified him. Correct. Now down to verse 22. In addition, some of our women amazed us. They went to the tomb. So obviously these two are a part of the band of disciples, if, you know, not part of the 12, but they're a part of this inner band because they identify with the women who went to the tomb. This is like the second ring of disciples radiating out from the 12. In addition, some of our women amazed us. They went to the tomb early in the morning. Tick. Uh, But they didn't find his body. Correct. Correct. Uh, they came and told us what it, the, the, well, they had seen, a vision of angels and who said he was alive. All of that is correct. Then some of our companions, we know that was Peter and John, had a race to the tomb and they found it just as the women had said. So the part that is incorrect, of course, is verse 21. But they had hoped, but we had hoped that he was the one who was going to redeem Israel. And what's more, it is the third day since all this had taken place. Now, when we we understand what this is all about, we understand that they are under incredible Roman oppression. They're under an occupation. Uh, They have a foreign force that is now living there. They have to somehow manage. They've managed to negotiate, as Ben explained beautifully. They've managed to negotiate a truce between living under Roman rule yet having some sort of sense of autonomy. And yet it was very oppressive we notice that Barabbas was in fact a freedom fighter and uh, the people called out his name. Would have been a legend in his insurrection against the Romans and a popular figure, no doubt. And here they are, they were hoping. Now, this is really understandable, folks. This is really understandable. You look at them and ah, oh, what don't they understand about the Bible? What's wrong with these thickheads? You know, we are also the dumb dunderheads of the Bible, right? When you see the disciples are being dunderheads, just say me, insert your name. Insert your name. You are the dunderhead that doesn't understand anything and I am the leader of the dunderheads, the giant dunderhead of all. And so, what happens is they don't get it because, listen to this, all they had known in the throne of David was kings. They'd known king after king after king. They'd only had one style of leadership it was leadership on a throne from Jerusalem that that, that pushed out the oppressing powers it's more than understandable that they thought that the son the king of kings would come down and he would be the son of David and he would also sit on the throne of David what on earth does that mean if it doesn't mean taking up residence in Jerusalem and pushing all the foreign powers back out and recreating this this theocracy of God reigning over his people in God's place this this promised land being restored the land sworn to Abraham surely that's what the son of David would do it's totally understandable so we're very quick to judge to say you know you don't understand it. Jesus was very clear he spoke about his death and his resurrection it wasn't going to be like that Isaiah 53 and we carry on like this but friends we need to see this in terms of history for a thousand years the only kind of leader that Israel had was a military leader the only one that sat on the throne was a king their sole job was to bring peace and order in the promised land from one end of Palestine to the other in the breadth of Palestine to drive out Roman and any other oppressive forces. It's most understandable that they would get this wrong. And yet they, they, they find this difficult to get in their heads. Even after Jesus has died and resurrected, and then even after, he had appeared to his disciples through how many days? Jesus, how many days? Was he floating around doing things? How many 40, it's a very popular name in the Bible. It's either 7, 6 or 40 or 12. It was 40 in this case. For 40 days, Jesus is appearing and and disappearing amongst his disciples. And yet... Right on, his, on, on the moment that he's about to be ascended back up into heaven, on the moment that he was, he'd, he'd got there, he'd explained to them, he'd appeared to them, he'd eaten fish with them on the beach, he'd, he'd interacted with them, um, they are still grappling with how difficult, you know, where is Israel and what does it mean to be restored and all that? And Jesus is just about to issue the famous Star Trek line of Beam Me Up Scotty No, he's just about to be ascended into heaven by the power of God. And in Acts chapter 1, verse 6, we read this. Then they gathered around him. This is like two verses before the ascension. You got it? They gathered around him and asked, Lord, are you at this time going to restore the kingdom to Israel? So is it now? And now you're going to go to Jerusalem? Is it happening now? How exasperating! (laughs) The last thing that Jesus had to do with his disciples was an exasperating. Anyway, he was ascended and now, of course, he rules the universe at the right hand of God. And so we get down to verse 25 and we find these words. He said to them, how foolish you are. Then he goes on and explains the scriptures to him. Uh, I checked with a Greek scholar about this. Fortunately, you happen to have one in our church, which is really good. I just go, dear Peter Bolt, what does the Greek word here mean? Because that's what, of course, he was a, uh, a lecturer at Bible college in Greek and New Testament. So when you see him, be impressed. He's very impressive. So I said, what is it? Because there's, there's contention. I thought, this is pretty harsh language, you foolish people. And, you know, there they were. And uh, the actual, the better rendering of the Greek here is without understanding. Foolish is better translated without understanding. There are other Greek words for foolish. So he said to them, you are without understanding how slow you are to believe all the prophets that have spoken. And so what Jesus does now is he launches in on a Bible study with them because they need to understand the Messiah in terms of Scripture. Did not the Messiah have to suffer these things and enter his glory and beginning with Moses and the prophets? He explained to them. So there was this great extrapolated explanation on the way to Emmaus. And all the scriptures concerning himself. So it was a very thorough Bible study. And of course, as we go on, they approach the village. It's the toward the end of the day, and uh, Jesus appears that he's heading ever uh, heading on. But they said, "No, please come in and eat with us." Now, in those days, so um, our research says that sunset in that particular area at that particular date at that particular time is about seven p.m. So the day's been going on. They've been journeying. It must be around about 6 or something like 6 or 6.30. It's towards sunset. And they say, come in and come in for tea. Customary at that time for the meal host, the host of the meal would be the one that would pray and break the bread. That is how they said their grace at the beginning of this time. Now, probably if we, if we are careful in our understanding of what the text says and what it doesn't say, there's no mention of wine here. This is not a reenactment of the Lord's Supper. This is just Jesus breaking bread with his disciples. Cleopas and the other disciple were not present in the upper room on the Last Supper. This is new territory. This is just Jesus doing that. But there's no doubt about it. Of course, as we share the Lord's Supper, uh, we find uh, again and again, we have fresh revelations of Jesus, don't we? Is that true? So many wonderful things we have, people sharing, and I just get so much out of what people share. I'm amazed at what people share and uh, give us a fresh aspect of Jesus as they share the Lord's Supper. So we, we experience an ongoing revelation of Christ as we meditate on the truth of him and as we participate in the elements. But this is kind of not like that. And as we see there, he sat verse thirty, when he sat down at the table with them, he took bread, and he gave thanks, he broke it and gave it to them, then their eyes were open, aha was it that they saw a wound in his hand? Was it that they, the penny finally dropped? Their eyes were open somehow. This supernatural prevention was reversed and they recognised him. And as soon as they recognised him, he what? He disappeared. What the?
0: <laughs>
1: you know. So it's interesting. We talk about Jesus appearing in the upper room. To his disciples. The first thing that Jesus did in this miraculous sense, he was disappeared. So we talk about, oh, he rose and he appeared to his disciples. That's the second thing that he did. First thing he did was disappear. And here he is in Emmaus, 11 kilometres out, and then he disappears. And they said to themselves, of course, were our hearts not burning? So what do they do? Look at verse 33. They have just walked from here to Castle Towers with no shops at the end. So there's a big letdown, right? What did they do? They got up and returned at once to Jerusalem. So they spun on their heels and they marched back a further 11 kilometres, seven miles in the old school. I remember it and so do some people here. Seven miles, 11 kilometres back into Jerusalem. So they'd walked They'd broken the bread and didn't get to eat it by the sound of it. They'd just go, oh, gee, it's Jesus. They dropped dropped everything and they walked straight back. So they've now been marching for twenty two kilometres. They find the other disciples. They find the other disciples. Uh, they got up, returned at once to Jerusalem. They found the eleven and what? Look. They found the eleven and and, and those with him. This is a part of the broader group of people. There's the 11, but there's also this broader group of people. They're, ascend, they're together. It's true the Lord has, has risen and appeared to Simon. It's the only reference. We don't know what to make of that. We don't know when and where that happened. The Scripture is not very clear or gives us an explanation of this appearing to Simon. So we just have to park that because we don't, don't have an answer. And then they said what had happened on the way, how Jesus was recognised them when they'd broken the bread. And we still talk about, uh, while we were still talking about this, Jesus himself stood among them. So he's just disappeared. They've walked 11 kilometres and now he's just reappeared. He appears to them and says to them, peace be with you. And so he then again launches in on another Bible society, uh, another Bible society, another Bible study. Uh, They were startled and frightened thinking they saw a ghost. He said to them, why are you troubled? Why do you doubt In your uh, doubts rise in your minds? Look at my hands and my feet. It's I myself. Touch me and see. A ghost does not have flesh and bones as you see. I have very important to note the nature of Jesus' resurrected body. It is glorified. It is supernatural. It is spiritual and it is physical. We are not disembodied spirits floating around for eternity. Somehow, in God's economy, there's a physical aspect and a spiritual aspect to resurrected bodies. And uh, Philippians 3, 20 to 21, I I commend you to go back and to read that. Uh, While he said this, he showed them his hands and his feet. And while they stood not didn't believe it because of joy and amazement. They were just like, this is too good to be true. He asked them, do you have anything to eat? Because they're thinking, oh, this can't be true. Is it a ghost? Is it you? Whatever. And so he does a demo. He grabs a piece of broiled fish and he launches into it and he eats it. And yet, of course... Uh, it goes on in verse 44, he reminds them that his death and resurrection was all a part of the scripture. He said to them, this is what I told you while i was still with you, everything must be fulfilled that the prophets in the prophets and the Psalms. How are you going on your three points? Mm -hmm. You're meant to be looking for three points in the sermon. Mm -hmm. You haven't found any yet, don't you think? Look now at the text, we're almost done. So now's the time to hit the panic button. Find the three things of implication for your life. So here again, he opens up their minds so that they could understand the Scriptures. Here he goes again, explaining them to how the Messiah, the fulfilment of the Messiah was in a suffering servant saviour rather than a militaristic king. The Messiah, this is what he told them, it is written, the Messiah will suffer and rise from the dead on the third day and repentance for forgiveness of sins will be preached in his name to all nations beginning at Jerusalem. You are witnesses of these. I'm going to send you what my father has promised, but stay in the city until you have been clothed with power from on high. When he had led them out to the vicinity of Bethany, he lifted up his hands and blessed them. While he was blessing them, he was lifted up and he was taken into heaven. And they worshipped him and returned to Jerusalem with great joy, stayed continually uh, at the temple praising God. Got them? Got the three things? Let's check them out. First of all, to get a revelation of Jesus, we must study the scripture. It is in the explanation of the Scripture that we see Jesus most clearly. He is made perfectly clear in Scripture. And this is what you will find with, as we read the Scripture as believers, because we have the Holy Spirit in us. What does it say is the inner experience of a believer with the Scriptures open? What is it? What happens inside you? What's it say? It says in the Bible. It says it twice. What's it say? Your Hearts burn within you. As we open up the scripture, as we see Jesus, the Holy Spirit starts to quicken us. The Holy Spirit, you have this experience? Do you need to come to Jesus? Do you need to get filled with the Holy Spirit? When we're reading the scripture, the Holy Spirit starts quickening. Our hearts start to burn. Our minds start to get fired up. And we start to see Jesus more clearly. And as we are disciples, we must continually immerse ourselves in scripture. That is our role. And as we do that, we see ongoing revelation, refreshed revelation. And in my age group, reminding of the things that I used to know that I may have forgotten that I need to be reminded of, afresh by the Holy Spirit. Hello? Mm-hmm. So there we are. Revelation of Christ encountered. It leads to three things. Look at verse 47 to 48. Number one. Application number one, it makes us mission-minded. And repentance for the forgiveness of sins will be preached in his name to all nations. Daniel Shaiesta is doing just that. Beginning at Jerusalem. And you'll be witnesses of these things. So that the truth of this, this is the road less travelled. Friends, we know the resurrected Jesus. Have you encountered him? Do you know the risen Christ in your own personal experience? It makes us mission-minded because we've got the truth that the world so desperately needs. Hallelujah. We've got the truth. We've got the answers. It is the risen Christ. that One thing that people need in their life is to encounter the risen Christ. They need to travel the road less travelled. And we've got the solution to the deepest hunger of the human heart. And soul is Jesus. And only believers, only believers know it. And only believers have the mandate to share it. We must be mission-minded. The other thing is, of course, that's daunting. So verse 49 gives us a great assurance. I'm going to send what my father has promised, but stay in the city until you have been clothed with power from on high. And so we have the truth of Jesus, but we're not. we've are not. we also got the power and the and this Holy Spirit is going to help us. He's going to strengthen us. He's going to give us courage. He's going to give us opportunities. He's going to give us ability. He's going to bring to our minds the things that we need to say to people in the midst of conversations. Things will be dropped into your mind that come from the Holy Spirit. You're going to meet somebody somewhere and it seems like a divine appointment. That's because it is. You just need to be willing, you just need to be open, you just need to be able and then you'll be quick and things will come to your mind. So we need to be mission-minded, we need to be spirit-empowered and the other thing is that once we've encountered the risen Christ, we've travelled the road less travelled. We've had an experience of Jesus. We have his spirit living in us. The natural response, look at verse 52 and 53, is they worshipped him and returned to Jerusalem with great joy. And they stayed continually at the temple, praising God. So do you know what we're going to do to apply that verse? We're going to do it right now. Can I have a song, Josh? So that's what we're going to do. People, let's stand up. Let's praise God. You mission-minded. You spirit-empowered. You continually praising God, people. You people who have travelled the road less travelled. Let's worship our Saviour.